and welcome to tonight's Zoomcast on life and teachings of Jesus Christ, his final preparation for the ministry, the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost, part three. And we will start in Luke chapter three from the Wayment translation of the New Testament, verses 21 and 22. And it came to pass that when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while Jesus prayed, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove. And there was a voice from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Or in other words, after the baptism of water, Jesus was baptized by the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, performed by the man who officiated in the office of Holy Ghost, who came down in bodily form and performed the ordinance for him. Now, in the Wayment translation of Matthew 3. And then we'll read the corresponding JST. Verses 11 and 12. I baptize you in water for repentance. And of course, this is John the Baptist speaking. But the one who comes after me is greater than I. I am not able to carry his sandals, but he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire or he will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost, whose winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will purge his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now is a cross-reference in DNC 103. Regarding the redemption of Zion. Correction DNC 101, verses 64 through 66. Here the Lord is expressing the same idea. The separation of the wheat and the tares or the wheat from the chaff that the wheat may be secured in garners to possess eternal life, that the chaff or the tares may have their bandles or bundles made strong, or their bands made strong, that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. Verse 64, that the work of the gathering together of my saints may continue. Talking about when the time of the Gentiles comes in, which is this generation, when the fullness of the gospel has been restored to the earth that I may build them up unto my name upon holy places. For the time of harvest has come, and my word must needs be fulfilled. Therefore I must gather together my people according to the parable of the wheat and the tares, that the wheat may be secured in the garners to possess eternal life and crowned with celestial glory, when I shall come in the kingdom of my Father to reward every man according as his work shall be. 
Well, the tares shall be bound in bundles, their bands made strong, that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. So the culmination of Christ's mortal ministry and his atonement comes at the end of the world in our generation, when the wheat and the tares of all people, but starting with the Latter-day Saints, will be separated that the wheat may be prepared for millennial rest. So this prophecy of John the Baptist, and we will receive the record of John the Baptist when the end time servant uh, returns with the record of the 12 apostles. Again, in Matthew 3, verse 11, I baptize you in water for repentance. But the one who comes after me is greater than I. I am not able to carry his sandals, but he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Whose winnowing fork is in his hand. Well, what is a winnowing fork? The winnowing fork is designed to separate the heads of grain from the chaff. And he will purge his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. John the Baptist is making a prophecy about our day, and it has commenced. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And just speaking about the beginning of the burning of that chaff with unquenchable fire, DNC 112. talking about the beginning of the abomination of desolation of the last days. Verse 23, Verily, verily, I say unto you that darkness covereth the earth and gross darkness the minds of the people, and all flesh has become corrupt before my face. Behold, vengeance cometh speedily upon the inhabitants of the earth. A day of wrath, a day of burning, a day of desolation, of weeping, of mourning, and of lamentation. And as a whirlwind, it shall come upon all the face of the earth, saith the Lord. And upon my house shall it begin, and from my house it shall go forth, saith the Lord. This is the purging of the threshing floor, the burning of the chaff with unquenchable fire. And upon my house shall it begin, and upon my house shall it go forth, saith the Lord. Meaning, upon the Latter-day Saints, it begins. And once it has been poured out upon the Latter-day Saints, it will go to the rest of the earth as the wheat and the tares are then separated from the house of Israel and then from all the peoples of the whole earth. Verse 26 in DNC 112. First among those among you, saith the Lord, who have professed to know my name and have not known me, in talking about the Latter day Saints, and have blasphemed against me in the midst of my house, saith the Lord. And what does it mean to blaspheme against God? Well, it's to claim that one has power and authority to act for and speak in and prophesy in behalf of God 
knowing full well they do not. Begins first with them. So again, verse 12 of Matthew 3, whose winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will purge his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now reading from the JST, we get some insights, but the JST is in King James language, so it helps to have the background of the Wayment translation. All right, Matthew 3, verses 11 and 12 from the GST. I, John the Baptist, indeed baptize you with water upon your repentance. And when he of whom I bear record cometh, who is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, or whose place I am not able to fill, as I said, I indeed baptize you before he cometh, that when he cometh, he may baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And it is he of whom I shall bear record, whose fan, but more properly translated winnowing fork, whose winnowing fork shall be in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But in the fullness of his own time, which is our day, will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Thus came John preaching and baptizing in the river of Jordan, bearing record that he who was coming after him had power to baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. Alma 22. Verses 15 through 26. And it came to pass that after Aaron had expounded these things unto him, the king said, What shall I do? that I may have this eternal life of which thou hast spoken. Now, the setting is Aaron is teaching King Lamoni's father. So, again in 15, And it came to pass that after Aaron had expounded these things unto King Lamoni's father, the king said, What shall I do that I may have this eternal life of which thou hast spoken. And what shall I do that I may be born of God, or in other words, receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, having this wicked spirit rooted out of my breast, and receive his spirit, that I may be filled with joy, that, I'm, that I may not be cast off at the last day. For, you know, if we go to Alma 
chapter 7. Verse 14. Now I say unto you that ye must repent and be born again, or receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. For the Spirit saith, if ye are not born again, ye cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Therefore come and be baptized unto repentance, that ye may be washed from your sins, that ye may have faith on the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sins of the world, who is mighty to save and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. So going back to Alma chapter 22. Continuing in verse 15, what shall I do that I may have this eternal life of which thou hast spoken? Yea, what shall I do that I may be born of God or receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost? Having this wicked spirit rooted out of my breast and receive his spirit. Because one of the things that happens with the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost is that a large portion of the natural man dies. Or this wicked spirit. As we're born again sons and daughters of Christ. And we receive the endowment of power. And we have grosser matter burned out of our body and of our spirit. And replaced with the light of Christ. That I may be filled with joy. That I may not be cast off at the last day. Behold, said he, I will give up all that I possess. Yea, I will forsake my kingdom that I may receive this great joy. So great a gift did King Lamoni's father recognize the baptism of fire, baptism like ghost, that he was willing to give up everything that he possessed. And his kingdoms encompassed... Um, the land of many kings, including, including King Lamoni. But Aaron said unto him, If thou desirest this thing, if thou wilt bow down before God, yea, if thou wilt repent of all thy sins and will bow down before God and call on his name in faith, believing that ye shall receive, then shalt thou receive the hope which thou desirest. And it came to pass that when Aaron had said these words, the king did bow down before the Lord upon his knees. And even he did prostrate himself upon the earth and cried mightily saying, O God, Aaron hath told me that there is a God. And if there is a God, and if thou art God, wilt thou make thyself known unto me? And I will give away all my sins to know thee and that I may be raised from the dead and be saved the last day. And now when the king had said these words, he was struck as if he were dead. And it came to pass that his servants ran and told the queen all that had happened unto the king. And she came in unto the king, and when she saw him lay as if he were dead, and also Aaron and his brethren standing as though they had been the cause of his fall, she was angry with them and commanded her servants or the servants of the king should take them and slay them. Now the servants had seen the cause of the king's fall. Therefore they durst not lay their hands on Aaron and his brethren. And they pled with the queen, saying, Why commandest thou that we should slay these men? 
when behold, one of them is mightier than all of us. Therefore, we shall fall before them. Now when the queen saw the fear of the servants, she also began to fear exceedingly, lest there should some evil come upon her. And she commanded her servants that they should go and call the people, that they might slay Aaron and his brethren. Now when Aaron saw the determination of the queen, he also, knowing the hardness of the hearts of the people, feared lest the multitude should assemble themselves together, and there should be a great contention and disturbance among them. Therefore he put forth his hand and raised the king from the earth, and said unto him, Stand. And he stood upon his feet, receiving, receiving his strength. Now this was done in the presence of the queen and many of the servants. And when they saw it, they greatly marveled and began to fear. And the king stood forth and began to minister unto them. And he did minister unto them insomuch that his whole household were converted unto the Lord. And now there was a multitude gathered together because of the commandment of the queen. And there began to be great murmurings among them because of Aaron and his brethren. But the king stood forth among them and administered unto them, and they were pacified toward Aaron and those who were with him. And it came to pass that when the king saw that the people were pacified, he caused that Aaron and his brethren should stand forth in the midst of the multitude and that they should preach the word unto them. And it came to pass that the king sent a proclamation throughout all the land amongst all his people who were in his land who were in all the regions round about, which was bordering even the sea on the east and on the west, and which was divided from the land of Zarahemla by a narrow strip of wilderness. Now the more idle part of the Lamanites lived in the wilderness and dwelt in tents, and they were sped through the wilderness on the west in the land of Nephi, again, also on the west of the land of Zarahemla, in the borders by the seashore. And also there were many Lamanites on the east by the seashore, whither the Nephites had driven them. One of the signs that is evident in a man or woman who receives the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, is that they have a great desire that their family and their people and even their enemies might also receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And this was certainly manifest in King Lamoni's father. Ether chapter 12. Verse 14. Behold, it was the faith of Nephi and Lehi that wrought the change upon the Lamanites, that they were baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost, referring to the account in Helaman chapter 5, which Christ refers to in 3 Nephi chapter 9 verse 20. And 3 Nephi chapter 9 verse 20 is greatly misunderstood, at least the last half of the verse. 3 Nephi 9.20 And ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and contrite spirit. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and contrite spirit, him 
will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost, even as the Lamanites because of their faith in me at the time of their conversion. Were baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost, and they knew it not. So many conclude from this verse that it's possible to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and not really know that anything has happened. But that not that is not what Christ is meaning. So if we go to Helaman, chapter five. we will find out what precisely what Christ is referring to when he says that the Lamanites were baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost, and they knew it not, after they exercised mighty faith in him. Starting in verse 40 of Helaman 5. And it came to pass that the Lamanites said unto him, What shall we do? Now they're speaking to Aminadab. What shall we do that this cloud of darkness may be removed from overshadowing us? Remember, these 300 Lamanites are gathered at the prison that Nephi and Lehi have been imprisoned. And the prison guards come to slay Nephi and Lehi. And Nephi and Lehi are surrounded by pillars of fire. And they are saved from destruction. And at this time, a cloud of darkness comes down upon all the Lamanites who are in the prison. And we're told it's about 300. And they are seized upon by fear. And they, they can't even move. <clears throat> but they see Nephi and Lehi um, shining in the midst of the darkness. And even conversing with angels. In verse 41, and Aminadab said unto them, you must repent and cry unto the voice, even until ye shall have faith in Christ, who was taught unto you by Alma and Amulek and Zizram. So this was not their first contact with the gospel. They had been taught the gospel years before, and it must have been working upon them just like King Benjamin's people. But for King Benjamin's people, there was still a part they were missing. And there was still a part these Lamanites were missing. And if you remember, an angel came to King Benjamin and gave him the words that he should speak unto his people that resulted in Mosiah 4 and 5, his people's baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost becoming sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. And so there is a part that is missing for these people. And I would venture to say the reason that the Lord allowed Nephi and Lehi to be imprisoned in this prison is because there were a group of Lamanites who were missing just a piece to fully coming to a broken heart and contrite spirit that they might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the ghost. And it was through this experience that just like King Benjamin's people through his preaching, so did these Lamanites receive the last piece that they needed to fully come to a broken heart and contrite spirit. Verse 42, and it came to pass that they all did begin to cry unto the voice, 
of him who had shaken the earth, yea, they did, yea, they did cry even unto the cloud of darkness was dispersed. And it came to pass that when they cast their eyes about and saw that the cloud of darkness was dispersed, from overshadowing them, behold, they saw that they were encircled about, yea, every soul by a pillar of fire. Now, in many of the accounts we have of individuals receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is mentioned that they are surrounded by pillars of fire. And if we had a full account of everybody's baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost in the scriptures, we would find out that every single one of them were encircled about um, as if it were by a pillar of fire. Now, why does it say as if it were? Because we're not talking about physical fire that comes down from heaven. We're talking about spiritual fire. And this spiritual fire is the glory of God. It is the light of Christ, but a very concentrated portion of that light of Christ. And it produces such a sanctifying and purging and cleansing effect upon the individual that the only thing that it can be likened unto is being surrounded by a pillar of fire. And if one's spiritual eyes are open, they will actually see the glory of God as flaming tongues of fire come down and surround the individual and move throughout the individual. And it came to pass that when they cast their eyes about and saw that the cloud of darkness was dispersed from overshadowing them, behold, they saw that they were encircled about, yea, every soul by a pillar of fire. And Nephi and Lehi were in the midst of them, and they were encircled about, yea, they were as if, as if, they were as if in the midst of a flaming fire, yet it had harmed them not. Neither did it take hold upon the walls of the prison. And they were filled with that joy which is unspeakable and full of glory. And behold, the Holy Spirit of God did come down from heaven and did enter into their hearts, and they were filled as if with fire, and they could speak forth marvelous words. For one of the signs that Nephi gives us in 2 Nephi 31... the end of verse 14. Then shall you receive the Holy Ghost, yea, then cometh the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, and then can you speak with the tongue of angels and shout praises unto the Holy One of Israel. Well, speaking with the tongue of angels is the ability to speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. And this evidence is mentioned at the end of verse 45 in Helaman 5, when it says, And they could speak forth marvelous words. And it came to pass that there came a voice unto them, yea, a pleasant voice as if it were a whisper saying, Peace, peace be unto you because of your faith in my well-beloved, who was from the foundation of the world. And now when they had heard this, they cast their eyes as if to behold from whence the voice came. And behold, they saw the heavens open, and angels came down out of heaven and ministered unto them. 
And they were about 300 souls who saw and heard these things. And they were bidden to go forth and marvel not, neither should they doubt. Notice that they were not bidden not to tell anybody of the experience because it was too sacred. In fact, exactly the opposite. And it came to pass that they did go forth and administer unto the people, declaring throughout all the regions round about all the things which they had heard and seen. Because it was not only these 300 who were to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, it was the main body of the Lamanites. And if we had 15 prophets, seers, and revelators, the head of the LDS church today, this is precisely what they would be doing. They would be declaring their witness of their baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that like these 300, it might have such a powerful effect upon the Latter-day Saints that we would understand that we have not received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, but we would be motivated to do what would ever be required of us to receive it. The fact that this is not happening is an absolute witness to who these men actually are. Continuing verse 50, insomuch that the more part of the Lamanites were convinced. Convinced by what? Again, verse 50, they did go forth and administer unto the people, declaring throughout all the regions round about all the things which they had heard and seen. insomuch that the more part of the Lamanites were convinced because of them, because of the greatness of the evidences which they had received. Now, where are these great evidences to be found today? And why isn't General Conference filled with them? Not only is it not filled with them, there isn't a single experience that is testified of. And as many as were convinced did lay down their weapons of war and also their hatred and the tradition of their fathers. If these men were prophets, seers, and revelators, what a powerful effect their global reach could have in bringing peace to the world. How? By testifying of the resurrected Jesus Christ and how they received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that all peoples might also receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and they would send missionaries to them. They might be ministered to and instructed in the ways of how to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that the hatred of men might be put away and that peace might be established. And it came to pass that they did yield up unto the Nephites the lands of their possessions. DNC 45. Verses 8 through 9. 
I came unto mine own, and mine own received me not. But to, but unto as many as received me, gave I power to do many miracles and to become the sons of God. Now this is in perfect harmony with Third Nephi chapter nine, verses seventeen and twenty. One of the evidences of the truthfulness of the record of the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants is the doctrinal continuity between them. As it is taught in 3 Nephi 9, to receive Jesus Christ is to offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And it means the same thing as to believe on his name. 3 Nephi 9 verse 17. And in 3 Nephi 9, 17, it says, when we do these things, it is given unto them to become the sons of God. And here in DNC 45, again, with the exact same phrase, unto those who receive me, gave I power to do many miracles and to become sons of God, even unto them that believed on my name. Precise is established in 3 Nephi 9.17 is established again in DNC 45 verse 8. To receive Christ is the same as to believe on his name. It is to offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And even unto them that believed on my name gave I power to obtain eternal life. Now this eternal life that is being spoken of is power to come forth during the thousand-year millennial reign. And even so, I have sent mine everlasting covenant into the world to be a light to the world. And we're going to be reading more this evening about this new and everlasting covenant. To be a light to the world and to be a standard for my people. Well, what is this saying? The very standard of the gospel of Jesus Christ is what is required to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and become sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. It is the very essence of the gospel. To be a standard for my people and for the Gentiles to seek to it. And to be a messenger before my face to prepare the way before me. Or in other words, it is not enough simply to believe in Jesus Christ. It is not enough to read the Bible. It is not enough to be a member of the LDS Church. It is not enough to have a temple recommend. For if all these things are the case, and yet we receive not the fullness of the gospel, and we never receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, it was all for naught. First John. Starting in chapter 3, 
and we're going to be reading 1 John chapters 3 through 5. Look what love the Father has given to us, that we may be called the children of God. Okay, now remember what does Christ say in John chapter 14? If you love me, keep my commandments. And, you know, the word used for love in the Greek is agape. And it means a total surrender without condition. It means to offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And part of offering up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit is earnestly seeking the will of father and then being obedient. Look what love the father has given to us that we may be called the children of God. Or in other words, by virtue of the atonement of Jesus Christ, we may become his sons and daughters through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And what is, and that is what we are, children of God. This is the reason the world does not understand us because it did not understand him. Beloved, now we are God's children, having, parenthetically speaking, having received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Beloved, now we are the children of we are God's children, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him as he is. Why will they be able to see him as he is? Because they received the first endowment of power. And if they endure to the end, not only do they receive the first endowment of power, but they will receive the second and third and fourth endowments, etc. Thus, through receiving the endowments of power, Christ makes them as he is. So the way that they will know him, the way that we will know him, if we do, is because he will have changed us to become more like he is. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Or everybody who believes in Christ and trusts him enters into the new and everlasting covenant and receives the endowments of power that they may be changed by him to become as he is. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared so that he might take away sins and there is no sin in him. No one who abides in him sins. Everyone who sins, has neither seen him or known him. Children, let no one deceive you. The person who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. 
the person who practices sin is of the devil because the devil continues in sin from the beginning. The son of God was revealed for this reason in order to destroy the works of the devil. Everyone who has been born of God does not continue in sin because God's seed abides in him and he is not able to sin because he has been born of God. Well, we need to talk about what does John mean that he's not capable of sin? Does it mean that he is perfect? It does not mean that he's perfect. It doesn't mean that a mistake is never made. What he is talking about is that man or woman who has been born of God does not come out in open rebellion against God. And when that man or woman makes a mistake, the spirit lets him know that he has made a mistake and he quickly repents. And thus he aligns himself to God and he submits his will to father's will. Children, let no one deceive you. The person who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous, just as Christ is righteous. Or in other words, if we are going to become as Christ is, we must do it precisely as he did it. And he is actually the one who changes our nature. We do what he commands us to do. And then he makes up the rest. We could spend every second of every minute of every hour from this day to eternity doing everything that we could do to become as he is. And without the endowments of power, we would never get very close. The only way this transformation can happen is with these endowments of power or light. The person who practices sin is of the devil because the devil continues in sin from the beginning. Or in other words, the devil never repents. The son of God was revealed for this reason, in order to destroy the works of the devil. Everyone who has been born of God does not continue in sin because God's seed abides in him. And he is not able to sin because he has been born of God. N Notice the phraseology does not continue in sin. Again, it would be a misunderstanding of John's words to think that once the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost is received, that that man or woman will no longer sin for there is still a long road ahead before that man or woman becomes as Christ is. And they will make many mistakes on that road. But if they endure to the end, if they continue to feast upon the words of Christ, they will not go backward or become stagnant, but will continue to ascend the spiritual ladder, um, becoming more and more like Christ submitting to ever greater degrees their will to Father's will until he is able to trust them completely. But God's seed abides in him, 
and he is not able to sin because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who the children of God and who the children of the devil are. The one who does not practice righteousness is not of God, and also the one who does not love his brother and sister. So, as we become like Christ, we begin to treat others in a more Christ-like way. And this is one of the evidences that is manifest in men and women who are true disciples. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning so that we might love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was from the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his actions were evil and his brother's actions were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters. If the world hates you, we know that we have passed from death into life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love abides in death. The one who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If a person has the possessions of the world and sees a brother or sister in need and closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and truth. By this we know that we are of the truth and will confirm our hearts in his presence, that whenever our hearts Condemn us. God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and we receive whatever we ask from him because we obey his commandments and do the things that are pleasing to him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Just as he commanded us, the one who obeys his commandments abides, abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit that he has given unto us. Well, what is the spirit that he has given unto us? It's the light of Christ. And as we ascend the spiritual ladder, we are given ever greater and greater portions of the light of Christ. First John chapter four, verse one, behold, do not believe every spirit for on this earth is spirit prison. And that which is called the astral realm encompasses the kingdom of the adversary and include spirit prison. And there are entities that are dying to communicate with us. And we may receive communication either from heavenly sources or demonic. And if we are so prideful, 
that we think that we know in every case of ourselves, we are already deceived. It doesn't take any discernment to know if something that is overtly dark is of the adversary. But what does take discernment is when the deceptive spirit um, does not appear to us in darkness, but rather appears to us as if with light. And the adversary and the spirit of God both speak to our mind. And those servants of the adversary also speak to our heart via emotions. And the spirit of God speaks to our heart by sanctification. And so it is an act of discernment, um, which takes, which requires the Holy Spirit to know the dark entity who presents themselves as an angel of light from the true angel of light. The caveat being, once we actually experience a true angel of light, um, then it is very apparent to us that the counterfeit is the counterfeit. Once Moses had entered into the rest of the Lord, as recorded in Moses chapter 1, it was very apparent to him that Satan, when he appeared to him, had no glory. But if Moses hadn't have just had that just have had that experience entering to the rest of the Lord. It would not have been so easy for him to discern. So, beloved, do not believe every spirit, because usually we are so caught up in the fact that we had communication from the other side that we are lazy and or we are prideful and don't put in the effort to discern. But test whether the spirits are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. And the dark side has power. And there are many prophets of dark entities who are able to exercise power. And if we rely only upon what our eyes see and our ears hear, we will be deceived. We must take the Holy Spirit as our guide. That is the only way to find the truth and not be deceived. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and is now already in the world. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Because of this, they speak of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. The one who knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deceit. Let me read that again. The one who knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deceit. Said 
slightly differently, 2 Nephi 28. Verse 28. And then find woe unto all those who tremble and are angry because of the truth of God. For behold, he that is built upon the rock receiveth it with gladness. And he that is built upon a sandy foundation trembleth lest he shall fall. No one can reject those whom God has sent and not reject him. The one who knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deceit. Again, no one can reject a true messenger from God without rejecting God. Verse 7 in 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Cross-referencing, John chapter 14. Verse 25, I have spoken these things while I reside with you. The Comforter, the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring all things that I have said to your remembrance. I leave peace with you. I give my peace to you. I do not give it as the world gives it. Do not let your hearts be troubled nor be afraid. Going back to 1 John. Chapter 4. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God. You know, again, cross-referencing John chapter 14, verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will obey my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. To love God means to submit our will to him in all things. It means to actively seek out and receive revelation and be obedient to him. This is what it means to love God. And the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit is what it means to love God. Therefore, he or she who loves God will receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. The one who does not, verse 8, the one who does not love God does not know God because God is love. Or the one who refuses 
to offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, and instead hardens their hearts, rejects the offer to become a son or daughter, to become the people of God, and that God might be our God, that we might be his people. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is the refusal to humble ourselves and enter into the new and lasting covenant. By this, the love of God was manifest among us because God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Or the father offered up his son upon the eternal altars that we might have a perfect example of how we should pattern our lives, that we might know what we must do, that we must repent that we must humble ourselves before God, receive baptism by water, and also fire in the Holy Ghost, that we must love others and we must serve them. And we must sacrifice our lives, that we might wear out our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ. That we might live through him. In this is love, not because we have loved God, but because he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. You know, a more correct translation in an unaltered manuscript would be no one that does not love God has seen God. For the path by which we are to see God is to love him as he instructs. I.e. receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then by continuing in the new and lasting covenant to enter into his rest. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. Parenthetical insertion, unless they love God. And every man, every woman who truly loves God will see him. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. So this is how we achieve at one month. This is how God is in us. This is how Jesus Christ is in us. This is how the Father is in the Son, and the Son is in the Father. It's by virtue of the Spirit and the level of the Spirit that we qualify for. For there is a threshold of the Spirit that we may be endowed with, that we then may truly say, 
the Son is in me and I am in the Son. And as the Father is in the Son, so the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whosoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God abides in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love God abides in him. By this love is perfected among us so that we have confidence in the day of judgment. And remember that this love, this agape, is a complete surrender to him. It is a complete allegiance to him. It is complete trust in him. This is that love. By this Love is perfected among us so that we have confidence in the day of judgment. Because just as he is, we are also in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears punishment has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. The one who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And look at what Enos does as he receives the baptism of fire, baptism of the ghost. His heart immediately is poured out upon his brethren and then upon his enemies. What about Lehi? As soon as he sets his house in order in 1 Nephi chapter 1, his concern is immediately turned first to his family and then to his people, that they also might partake of the fruit of the tree as he has partaken. And this is the commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother and his sister also. 1 John chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Again, believing in Christ means the same thing as to receive him. It is to offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. It is the meaning of loving God. It is the agape toward God. This is what it means to believe that Jesus is the Christ. And everyone who enters into the new and everlasting covenant at this level receives the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and thus is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves the child born from him. By this we know <laughs> that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments, for this is the love of God that we obey his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome, because everyone that has been born of God conquers the world. Now. A short comment on by this we know, verse 2, that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, 
that we obey his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome because everyone that has been born of God conquers the world. And verse 1. And everyone who loves the father loves the child born from him. So there are religions that while they acknowledge Jesus as a prophet, they deny his divinity as the son of God and deny his resurrection. Well, what this is saying is that if there is anyone in those religions who truly loves the father by the witness of the spirit by the witness and or of by angels and or by prophetic dreams or visions will be brought to a knowledge also of the son or will be sent true messengers to declare unto them the fullness of the gospel. And when they hear it, regardless of the source, will receive Jesus Christ with all their heart. And thus, there are many among the fallen religions who are kept from the truth only because they know not where to find it. But if they are true followers of God, as soon as, as the fullness is revealed to them, they will receive it with gladness. And those in those religions who are not true followers of God, when they hear the fullness of the gospel, they become angry because of the truth. And thus, once the Jews are redeemed, or there has been a separation of wheat and tares from among the Jews, um, the fullness of the gospel will then go to the heathen nations. And all of those among the heathen nations who have hearkened to that portion of the light of Christ that they have access to, who have done their best to worship to the best of their understanding, when they hear the fullness of the gospel, they will again receive it with gladness. Because, verse 4, everyone that has been born of God conquers the world. And our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. What does that mean, our faith is the victory? God uses the weak and the simple things of the earth to thrash the nations and is going to do so. Because... They will seek after, receive, and act on revelation, and they will access the powers of heaven. And the powers of heaven are greater than any of the powers that may be marshaled upon the earth. And they're greater than all the powers of darkness. For light always overcomes darkness. Who is it who conquers the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Verse 6, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. Or in other words, it is not sufficient to receive baptism by water only. It must be completed with the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
And the spirit is the one who testifies because the spirit is truth. So I often hear it said that the spirit may tell one man one thing and another man the opposite, depending upon what their particular needs are. And this is a false doctrine. The spirit cannot bear witness of anything which is not true. Now, there are many things which contain portions of truth, but not the fullness. And the Spirit may bring a person into that which possesses a portion of the fullness. And they will be led to find the truth in that thing and then to continue their journey. Um, but this is far different than the Spirit bearing witness that a false system contains the fullness of the gospel or a false system is in fact the gospel of Jesus Christ or contains the fullness of his gospel. Because there are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree. If we accept the testimony of people, the testimony of God is greater because this is the testimony of God that he gave concerning his son. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. So there are a great many who believe in things that are false. And the level of their conviction in a false belief does not make it so. And does not form an equivalency between the believer who believes in truth. The spirit cannot bear witness of the testimony of one who witnesses of that which is false, but the spirit will bear witness of the testimony of he who believes in the son of God and the fullness of his gospel. The one who does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this is in his son. The one who has the son has life. The one who does not have the son, God does not have life. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Again, believing in the name of the Son of God is to offer up the sacrifice of broken heart and contrite spirit at the level of receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the ghost. So John is writing to those who have received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. That you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Because if we ask anything according to his will, he listens to us. And if we know that he listens to us with respect to what we ask, then we know that we have obtained the request we have made of him. Again, if we know that he listens to us with respect to what we ask, then we know that we have obtained the requests we have made of him. 
all unrighteousness is sin, but there is sin that is not a deadly sin. In other words, there are many gradations of sin, and there are grave sins and far lesser sins. Verse 16. If someone sees his brother or sister sinning, but it is not a deadly sin, he will ask and God will give him life for those who do not commit a sin leading unto death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that he should ask about that. All unrighteousness is sin, but there is sin that is not a deadly sin. Or in other words, we can sin so grievously that we put ourselves outside the portion of the atonement of Jesus Christ that he might pay the price for us. And this usually comes with light and knowledge first, and then turning against the greater light and knowledge without ever returning. We know that everyone who is born of God does not sin, verse 18, but God protects the one he has fathered so that the evil one cannot touch him. Or in other words, as we ascend up the spiritual ladder, as we become sons and daughters of God, as we receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, we qualify for greater and greater levels of intervention if we should get off the path. Just like Alma the Younger, who had before that lifetime qualified for the level of intervention that he received. Now, qualifying for a high level of intervention doesn't mean that we must choose God when we receive that intervention. It simply means that if we get off the path, we will receive a level of intervention sufficient that we will be faced with the choice between light and dark, good and evil, so that we might have the greatest opportunity to, to choose life and light and Christ to get back on the path and not to be cast off forever. Verse 18, we know that everyone who is born of God does not sin, but God protects the one who he has fathered so that the evil one cannot touch him. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of evil. Now, another comment on this, but God protects the one who he has fathered so that the evil one cannot touch him. For Satan has laid stake and claim to everyone upon this earth. And it is at the time of the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that Christ cuts those bands and claims us as his own. Verse 19, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of evil. We know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we know him who is true. We are in him who is true and in his Son, Jesus Christ. This one is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Acts chapter 9. 
verses 1 through 22, regarding the conversion of Saul, who will change his name to Paul, and his conversion, um, part of his conversion is the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Acts 9, verse 1. But Saul was still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the Damascus synagogue, so that if he found any who were of the way, the way meaning those who were Jewish, who accepted Jesus as the Messiah, men or women, he would bring them to Jerusalem as prisoners, parenthetically that they might be slain. While he went, as he drew near to Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He replied, Who are you, Lord? He answered, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. But arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you should do. The men who were traveling with him stood there speechless, listening to the voice, but not seeing anything. Saul arose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. They led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he spent three days without seeing and did not eat or drink. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And notice the similarities between Saul's experience and Alma the Younger's. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he replied, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight. And in Judas's house, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. He has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands upon him in order that he may see again. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how he has done many evils to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all those who call on your name. The Lord replied to him, Go because he is a chosen instrument for me to bear my name among the Gentiles, kings and the people of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And Ananias went and came to the house and laid his hands upon him and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the way as you came here, sent me to you that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias was sent to perform the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost for Saul. And right away, the scales falling from his eyes, he saw again. The greater sight that was restored to Saul was his spiritual sight. And although he did have a physical ailment 
healed. They are types and metaphors of what was happening to Saul spiritually. And verse 18, and right away, like scales falling from his eyes, he saw again. And he arose and was baptized. And he took some food and was strengthened. And was with the disciples in Damascus for several days. And immediately he declared Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who destroyed those who call on this name in Jerusalem and who came here to bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul grew stronger and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. And Acts 22. Just as Alma the Younger gives different accounts of his baptism of fire, baptism of the ghost, and his conversion, so does Saul or Paul. Acts 22, starting in verse 1. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense that I present to you. When they heard that he spoke in Aramaic, they grew quieter. Then he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicilia educated with strictness under Gamaliel, according to the law of our ancestors, zealous for God, just as you are today. I persecuted this way to the point of death, or I persecuted those who were followers of Christ until they were martyred. binding and delivering men and women to prison as the high priest and the entire council of elders will witness about me. I received letters from them written to the brothers in Damascus. And I went there to arrest them and bring them to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was traveling and approaching Damascus around noon, a great light from the heaven appeared suddenly and shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice telling me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I replied, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Those who were with me saw the light, but they did not hear the voice speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise and go to Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the glory of the light, I was led by the hand of those with me, and I came to Damascus. A man named Ananias, a devout believer in the law and of good reputation with all the Jews lived there. He came to me and while standing by me said, Saul, brother, receive your sight. At that very hour, I received my sight and I saw him. And he said, God of our ancestors appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth because you will be a witness of him and all that you have seen and heard. Now, why do you wait? Arise and be baptized and have your sins washed away while calling on his name. When I had returned to Jerusalem and while praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. And saw him saying to me, hurry and depart from Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. 
<laughs> I replied <laughs> four. I replied, Lord, they knew that I imprisoned and bear those who believed in you in synagogue after synagogue. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being poured out, I was standing by and approving of it and watching over the clothing of those who killed him. Then he said to me, go, because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And Acts 26. Verses 12 to 31. While I was doing this, as I was traveling to Damascus with authority and complete power from the chief priests, in the middle of the day, King Agrippa, I saw on the road a light from heaven brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who traveled with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick the prod. And I replied, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus Christ, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you in order to appoint you as a servant and witness of the things that you have seen and of those things that I will show you. I will deliver you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes, parenthetically, as your eyes have just been opened. Or in other words, that the Gentiles also might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, to receive a forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was obedient to the heavenly vision. I taught them to repent, to turn to God, and to do the works worthy of repentance, first while in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, to all the region of Judea also and to the Gentiles. For this reason, the Jews seized me while in the temple, and they attempted to kill me. Therefore, to this day, I have had help from God, and so I stand witnessing both to the small and great, saying nothing except what the prophet, what the prophets and Moses said would come to be, that Christ would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead, to declare the light to our people and the Gentiles. As he was relating these things in his defense, Festus spoke in a loud voice saying, Paul, you are mad. Your considerable learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul replied, I am not mad, noble Festus, but I relate these words in truth and reason for the king knows these things about which I am speaking boldly. For I am convinced that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. Do you believe the prophets, King Agrippa? I know that you believe. Agrippa said to Paul, Are you trying to persuade me to be a Christian in such a short time? But Paul replied, I pray to God that whether it is a short or a long time, that not only you but all those who listen to me today might become even as I am, except for these chains. even as I am, meaning 
a son of Christ. Then the king, the governor, and Bernice arose, and those who were sitting with them. When they had departed, they spoke to one another, saying, This man is not doing anything worthy of death or imprisonment. But Agrippa said to Festus, This man could be set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. And Acts chapter 10. Verses 1 through 8 and 17 through 48. There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, who was a centurion of what is called the Italian cohort. He was a devout man and together with all his house feared God. And he gave many offerings to the people and prayed to God continually about three o'clock in the afternoon. He saw in a vision an angel of God coming to him and saying to him, Cornelius. He looked at him intently, and in fear he said, What is it, Lord? The angel replied to him, Your prayers and offerings have ascended to God as a memorial. Now send men to Joppa for a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner whose house is near the sea. After the angel who had spoken to him departed, he called two household servants and a devout soldier from among those who served him. And after explaining everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. And now picking up in verse 17. As Peter wondered to himself what the vision might mean, the men who were sent by Cornelius arrived, and they inquired at the house of Simon and were standing at the gate. And they called out to determine if Simon called Peter was staying there. While Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Look, three men are looking for you, but arise and go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Peter went down to the men and said, Here I am, and the one for whom you are looking. Why have you come? They replied, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, praised by the entire Jewish nation, was commanded by a holy angel to summon you to his house. And to listen to your message. Then he invited them in and hosted them. The next day he arose and went with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa traveled with him. The next day he came to Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting for them and called his relatives and his close friends together. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and falling at his feet, worshiped him. But Peter helped him up and said, stand up. I am only a man. And as he talked with him, he entered and found many people gathered together. And he said to them, you know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call a person unclean or common. Therefore, when I was sent for, I came without objection. Now may I ask you who summoned me? Cornelius replied four days ago at the same hour. At three in the afternoon, I was praying in my house. And suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me. And said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your offerings have been noted before God. Therefore, send to Joppa and summon Simon called Peter, who is staying in the house of Simon and the tanner near the sea. Therefore, I sent for you right away and you were kindly enough to come. So now we are all here 
in the presence of God to listen to everything that the Lord commanded you to say. Then Peter began to open his mouth and say, I truly understand that God does not show partiality, but in all nations, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the word that he sent to the people of Israel, declaring the good news, peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. That message spread throughout all Judea, beginning at Galilee and with baptism, with the baptism declared by John, regarding Jesus of Nazareth, whom God anointed with the Holy Spirit. And with power, he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Because God was with him, we are witnesses of all that he did in the land of Judea and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. And God raised him on the third day and allowed him to be seen, not by all people, but by us who were chosen by God as witnesses. We ate and drank with him after his resurrection from the dead. And he commanded us to declare to the people and testify that he is the one appointed by God as the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testified of him and everyone who believes in him will have forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. What most likely happened is that as he was preaching, the Spirit came mightily upon Peter and instructed Peter to perform the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost upon um, these Gentiles. Or, Next, most likely scenario is an angel who had been ordained and sealed to the first order of Melchizedek priesthood came, and as Peter preached to them, laid his hands upon each of these Gentiles and performed the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And the circumcised believers who traveled with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter replied, Can anyone withhold water from these people or baptism by water? Who like us have received the Holy Spirit to be baptized. So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for several days. And so with that account... With that baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost account, we will put a book end on tonight's uh, presentation. And next Monday, we will continue the final preparation of Jesus Christ for his ministry through the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it will be the last installment in this series before we go on to the ministry of Jesus Christ.